Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello, it's Manveen. This week, while everyone's recovering from the excesses of Christmas and getting ready to let rip at New Year, we thought it would be the perfect opportunity to look back at some of our favourite episodes from 2023. In today's episode, we hear from Paul Morgan Bentley, head of investigations at The Times, who went undercover to expose how British gas agents were breaking into vulnerable customers' homes and forcing them onto prepayment meters. These meters work on a pay-as-you-go system, so if you can't afford to top up, you're left in a cold and dark home, particularly bleak at this time of year. Among those who were being targeted in this way by British Gas were the elderly, people with profound disabilities and families with young children. The investigation had a huge impact and led to a change in the law. Now, energy firms are banned from force-fitting these meters in many customers' homes, including the over-75s and all families with children under two years old, ensuring that millions of vulnerable people are in warm homes this winter. Sometimes you get an investigation that you know will change people's lives. This was one of those stories. With the cost of living crisis biting and energy bills shooting up, we knew that some of the most vulnerable people in society would struggle to cope. But when the Times went undercover and found that British Gas had been obtaining court warrants to break into customers' homes, people were genuinely shocked. Particularly as gas companies are supposed to protect vulnerable customers. If they're just saying, oh, I'm a single mum and I've got three kids and that, that's, that's not vulnerability. The investigation was so shocking that it changed the national conversation and the gas companies, the industry regulator and the government immediately chimed in. We also announced that we have suspended any uh, installation of prepayment meters under warrant until at least the end of the winter. The energy regulator has ordered all major suppliers to suspend the forced installation of prepayment meters at the homes of customers who've fallen behind with their bills. These kind of abuses are not on. I've called for all of the energy companies to stop this process. And I want to make sure that this does not occur in Britain. So how did one front page make such a big difference We go behind the scenes to find out how the investigation was done. 
You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, a Times investigation. Why British gas has been breaking into customers' homes. I'm Paul Morgan-Bentley. I'm head of investigations at The Times and I specialise in in-depth reporting and undercover work. This is one of the examples where we got to a point with an investigation where we felt that the most important thing we could do was to go undercover. And Paul, tell us a bit about that. Take us back to one particular morning, quite a cold morning, where you're outside a house with a locksmith who is trying to break the lock. So as part of this job, I was going out in teams of four or five men with warrants to... um, break into people's homes if we needed to, and force-fit prepayment meters, these pay-as-you-go meters. That morning, it was particularly cold. It was minus three when I checked first thing in the morning. We all arrived in our separate cars close to this address that we'd been sent. Hello. Hi, it's Paul. Yeah. I'm shadowing uh, Alfonso today. Oh, OK. I'm new. And we all kind of said hello to each other and walked towards the door. There was me. I was shadowing the team. There was a guy called Alfonso who was leading the team as the kind of main debt collector. And there was a locksmith. There was a dog handler because on a previous visit, someone had identified there was a dog inside. Oh, and the British gas engineer who was actually going to do the technical work of switching them over. Hello, it's British gas, your gas supplier. One of the first things we did after Alfonso knocked and there was no response was Alfonso went and spoke to a next-door neighbour. We were aware that it was probably a a single father with three children. So we all stood a bit back as Alfonso approached the door, knocked on the door, saying... Hello, it's British Gas or Gas Supply. We're here with a court warrant. Can you please open the door? I've got a lot of people it for you. And then he came back. He talked about how he was so excited... Exciting bit. I love this bit. Which bit? This bit. I love this bit. (laughs) And then the locksmith got to work opening up the door. The dog handler was standing next to the locksmith, ready to go in because we weren't sure which dog would be inside. As it turned out, after the locksmith had picked the lock and the dog handler was sent in to make the space secure, it was a puppy. It was a cocker spaniel puppy. And that puppy was noosed, taken into another room, and the rest of us went in and got on with our job. And Paul, just taking a step back, you know, I think people hearing this for the first time will think it's highly unusual to be breaking into somebody's home, but especially to be doing it with British gas. Just explain what you were doing there. It's actually not that unusual. It's one of these scandals that's kind of been there in plain sight and campaigners and charities have been talking about it. But the numbers of cases has gone up massively. You know, this is hundreds of thousands of times per year. This isn't a really rare thing. This is happening to lots and lots of people in Britain. Why are energy companies so determined to break into people's homes? Well, they have this ability to apply to the courts directly to get a warrant to go into people's homes if they're in debt with them. And part of the power is because your heating comes through a meter and they can switch your meter so it's the type that doesn't just run and then you pay for it, but it becomes pay-as-you-go.
how did you get onto this story? How did you realise that there was this sort of secret scandal that was happening to so many people? It was about last summer and there was a lot of talk about the upcoming winter and how tough that was going to be for people. The cost of living crisis, the cost of energy following the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And I've done some work previously on debt collection and debt collectors and their practices. And I just had a thought, I wonder if the energy companies are doing this. Surely, with all the noise going on, if they have done in the past, they'll scale it back. And then I saw that charities were talking about prepayment meters and how they were worried about the winter. But then at the same time, British Gas and other companies were very vocal about talking about how much they were doing for vulnerable customers. There was this issue here where people were saying one thing, the people on the ground, the families who were saying this is happening even though we're vulnerable, and the campaigners and charities were saying that. But British Gas and other companies, on the other hand, were saying, no, 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 we do so much to protect vulnerable people. And so we felt there were grounds to look into doing undercover work. Because who do you know who to trust there? Are British Gas and other companies doing all they can to protect these vulnerable people? So how did you go about finding out what was really happening? What I found out while doing this early research was that major energy companies use this company, Arvato, to collect their debts for them. And that means this company sends agents out before they get warrants to deliver letters of intent and to try and engage with customers. And these letters warned them that the case will go to court if they don't pay their bills. And then they send them out again in the bigger teams to enforce the warrants once they have come through from court. So I learned quite quickly that I had to apply undercover for a job at Arvato rather than one at British Gas or any of the individual suppliers. It was also quite useful to do that because it enabled me to see how the different suppliers had responded to what was going on with the cost of living crisis. And actually, that's why the investigation ended up so focused on British Gas, because some of the other energy companies had really pared back over the winter. And my experience was that we were only being sent out to enforce these warrants at residential homes on behalf of British Gas, not the others. Avato are allowed into people's homes after they get warrants authorised by the courts that allow them to go in and install prepayment meters, or PPMs. So it's the type that doesn't just run and then you pay for it, but it becomes pay as you go. So once they've done that, the idea is if they cannot afford to pay, they're literally cut off. In my research, I found there's more than 7 million prepayment meters in the country, either for gas or electricity. The reason they're more expensive is that they're usually much more restricted when it comes to tariffs. So they end up paying more, but also the standing charge that they pay is applied even when they don't use the heating. So if you don't use your heating and you're living in the cold on a prepayment meter, when eventually you do top up, money is taken off to pay back the previous day's standing charge. When customers top up these meters, an amount is usually taken to go towards their debts. So this is typically about £6.50 per week. Some of the other companies over the winter, what they did was they stopped collecting debts in this way. So if customers who were already on prepayment meters put £10 on that week, that full £10 would go towards their heating. What British Gas did was not take this action. So they were still taking some of that money off every week to repay debts. And something that really shocked me was the cost of these teams that I was on being sent to force fit these prepayment meters, which can be hundreds of pounds. That cost was added to the customer's bill. So 
this idea that some people say that forcing people onto prepayment meters is about helping them manage their debt. It's very hard to take that seriously when at the same time, this action is putting them further and further into debt. To understand the extent of the problem, Paul had to go undercover by applying for a job with the debt collection company Avato Financial Solutions. The initial process is like applying for any other job. I had an interview in December and then it took a number of weeks before the identity checks were done and I could start the job. And that was the beginning of January, but then they had some video training. So I actually didn't start out on the road until mid-January. And then I was on the road for two weeks. So tell me a bit about that. Once you've done the video training and you start going out, once you're in, in the house that you went to, what happens next? How long do you have to stay there? So in this case, the family wasn't in. So the British gas engineer at that point gets to work in switching over the meters. And sometimes it's quite an easy job depending on what the meter situation is. And for other technical reasons, sometimes it could be more complicated. In this case, it was a bit more complicated. So it took almost two hours. And that is quite a nervy period for the team because they're all sat inside someone's house. And understandably, people can come home during that period and get very angry and very upset. For you, outside, as somebody who doesn't do this day in, day out, how did it feel? Do you know what? I I do undercover work quite a lot. And I am used to this stuff. And I'm sure as a journalist, you might be able to understand that sometimes when you're reporting on certain things, you can have a bit of a distance to them because that is your job. You're used to going into extreme environments to report on them. And the more you do something, the more you get used to it. This was a really unusual one, this particular home with this dad and the three young children. I felt quite emotional, actually, when when we were inside. We broke in. Just looking at all the toys on the ground, there must be kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy. Peppa Pig. And there were toys all over the floor. I've got a young child, I've got a two-year-old. And there were Peppa Pig toys on the floor. And straight away I thought, Peppa Pig, that's a young child. There were kind of all different figurines and there was a little toy guitar. And actually my son's got a really similar toy. They weren't in. We were just in their home without them being there. You know, I started thinking about how that would feel. We went into the kitchen and there was an inhaler, a vented inhaler for a child. These were clearly the types of very young children who would be massively affected without any heating. There were clothes on the radiators drying and we were there to switch them over. And when we walked in, they were being dried because the radiators were warm. But after we'd switched them over, I checked again and it was cold by the time we left. And... There were a couple of moments when we were inside that I had to walk out. I did feel genuinely quite upset. One of the things that really got to me was the behavior of the team during that visit while we were waiting and how they were just sitting on their sofas, making themselves at home. And Alfonso, the main debt collector at one point, starts picking up the toys and playing with them and joking around and he's strumming one of the kids' guitars. It was all so disrespectful. And then when we left, we all waited outside and the locksmith waited. And then Alfonso eventually appears. And I said, what have you been doing? What were you doing? Toilet. Oh, right. I don't know. For me, that was really quite symbolic that these people, that some of them have such a sense of power because of this, 
that they feel that they can just go in and while they're doing this, use their toilet and play with their toys. You know, it's incredibly disrespectful. Other homes that I got sent to, another one example that will really stay with me for a long time. The first thing we noticed was her key was still in the front door outside. So we knocked on the door, she answered, and she was there with her very young children. She said that the youngest one, the baby that she was holding while we were there, was just three to four weeks old. And this was one of the homes where we had been sent with a warrant signed off at court to go and force fit a prepayment meter. This idea that we were trying to establish about whether companies like British Gas were properly checking for vulnerability, clearly it wasn't happening because the courts had just signed this off and yet here we are and she has a baby who's less than a month old. And in circumstances like that, and then, you know, the house that you described earlier too, which clearly had young children, it even had an asthma inhaler. Is there any sense that British Gas has a duty to make sure that particularly young children aren't harmed by their actions? So Ofgem is the energy regulator and it's quite clear that this should not happen if customers have vulnerabilities. And kind of the problem with that term vulnerabilities is it's quite vague. Ofgem offers some guidance about what that can mean and in the guidance it mentions having children under five years old, being pregnant, being of pensionable age, having disabilities. But the case seems to have been that companies have kind of been making this up on their own. And so they say they've been screening for vulnerabilities, but you speak to different agents working for this company, Arvato, and they'll have different ideas. I shadowed a few different agents and one of the agents I shadowed was very cautious and he said, not on my conscience, I don't care that they're putting pressure on me to get results. It's the cost of living crisis. I'm struggling with payments. I'm not forcing anyone. And he was actually the one that I was shadowing when we went to that home of the young mother. And afterwards he was despairing and saying, look what's happening. They're sending us to these homes and I don't want to do it. This is the thing like I can't say to her, like, oh, I've sought this, it won't go down the path and put you in a vulnerable club because they just won't listen. Yeah. So I'm saying, like, I can't promise you you won't get lectures because they will, and the amount of time she'll get. He was the anomaly. On a different day, I shadowed this Alfonso, and he was quite clear that he did not see having very young children as a vulnerability. But if they're just saying, oh, I'm a single mum and I've got three kids and that, that's, that's not a vulnerability. Right. It is a vulnerability, but I'm, uh, I'm a bit old school and a bit hard-nosed. To me... His theory was that if you can physically get to a shop to top up your card or you can use your phone to top up your account, then... Right, so if they can, if they, if they can walk to the shop or if you're feeling a smart meter and they've got a smartphone and they can pay for their gas or electric, they have a PPM. Right. And there was no sort of no understanding that the cost of living crisis was hitting people very suddenly and placing them in fairly extreme circumstances? Certainly not, from my experience, from the companies. Something else that I received while I was there, we were getting emails, and one of the emails that I would receive was data from across the country, so it wasn't just the team that I was working with, but across the whole country, from the forced installations that happened the previous week. And I opened it up and I was completely shocked at how blatant it was there in black and white you had a list of all the different jobs where agents had been sent by different companies with warrants to break in and force fit these meters and you could see whether they'd gone ahead with the job and then you'd see the agent's notes 
And so I checked for British gas jobs from the last month, so in January when it was very cold, during the cost of living crisis, where they had force fit one of these meters with a warrant. And the notes included things like, this woman has severe mental health bipolar disorder, or this is a woman with a two-year-old son, or this is a woman whose child is very disabled and uses a hoist in a wheelchair. It was there in the notes. So this idea that maybe it would be one rogue agent or this shouldn't be happening or that the companies don't know this is happening is nonsense because it's there in their official notes. And, and just, just to clarify, these notes, do they get sent back to British Gas? Do they, are they aware of what's happening? This is going to be really interesting now because these were notes that I received from Arvato. Arvato is the contractor used by British Gas and other companies. Ofgem, the regulator, is very clear that a company being a third-party contractor does not make a difference to them, that you need to be totally aware of what they're doing. So the answer to that question is, I don't know. I couldn't see whether those notes go automatically through to British Gas. But they absolutely should be asking for it. They should be aware of it. Coming up, as the investigation was published, it made headlines across the media and suddenly everything started to change. We'll have more in just a moment. I'm Mehreen Khan, economics editor of The Times. My job involves covering an extraordinary period for the world and UK economy, where central bankers and governments are contending with runaway inflation, the pandemic and a war in Europe. We can only do this thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Paul, when you put the story out, just describe for us what happened. You work on these stories and you hope they all get noticed and they have a big impact and they cause change. That's the nature of investigative journalism. And it was quite overwhelming, actually. It was amazing. There was an incredibly quick and very powerful reaction to the story. British Gas summoned for a meeting with the government after reports contractors used by the company have been forcing their way into vulnerable people's homes. The Times leads this morning on its investigation into British Gas. British Gas routinely sent debt collectors to break into customers' homes and force fit pay-as-you-go meters, a Times investigation can reveal. I think it really is an example of where undercover journalism can have such an impact because even though campaigners and charities were talking about this issue and even though some other newspapers were writing about it, actually what forced the companies to change 
And what forced the government and the regulator to act properly was seeing the undercover footage and seeing definitively this is what's happening on the ground. Before we'd even published, British Gas, well, Centrica, the parent company of British Gas, had come back to me and said it was suspending the force fitting of prepayment meters. Previously, when Grant Shapps had asked them to, they'd ignored him. Grant Shapps, as the business and energy secretary back then, had called for gas companies to halt this process in a statement to the House of Commons on January the 17th. It is a matter of considerable concern that anybody should be removed from uh, their power uh, or heating. And we have specifically asked uh, the energy authorities not to go down that line and asked Ofgem to do the same. As I but now they knew this story was going to be published by us with all this footage. They U-turned, they suspended it. Ofgem, the regulator, was very active very quickly. And as a regulator, it has been criticised in the past for not doing enough. And when I write these kind of stories, it's interesting to see the different reactions. And sometimes regulators just issue a statement. They don't seem to be doing anything particularly different as a result. In this case, it almost seemed like it was an opportunity they've been waiting for to have evidence this definitive so mm. that they can really take action now. And that's what's happened. They very quickly took action, asking all the energy companies to pause the force fitting of prepayment meters. And with British Gas, they went even further, issuing a legal order, which essentially bans them until they can prove legally that they have all the protections in place that they're supposed to have. And they were very strong in their wording, talking about how they were doing this to protect British Gas customers. And the subtext is there. The regulator clearly has felt that British Gas customers, vulnerable customers, are at risk. So they've had to take this action. As you say, this story had an immediate impact. It was grabbing all the headlines. It was all over the news. It was all over TV and radio. And you were hearing a lot of these people, like British Gas, like you know the bosses at, at Centrica, people from Ofgem, being, being put on the spot. For you watching, what was that like? It was amazing. I've never worked on a story like this where the next morning, so so quickly, the boss of the company is everywhere, all over the TV and the radio, saying sorry in such a clear way. And that's what happened with the CEO of Centrica. There is nothing that I can see um, that can express the horror I had when I, when I heard this, when I saw this. It's completely unacceptable. But at the same time, I kind of watched him and I watched that reaction and thought... It's good that you're apologising now. It's good you're doing something now. But I find it very hard to believe that you only know about this now because I've gone undercover. In all of this, what happened to Avato, the debt collection company who you're actually working for? What has their response been? They issued a response saying it acts compliantly at all times, that it keeps to its regulatory requirements. And also kind of seeming to blame individuals and in saying that any of the views or actions that we've exposed from their agents are not representative of what they should be doing or the company's position. British Gas have quite strongly blamed Arvato. The CEO, when he was on the airwaves, was saying... The contractor that we've employed, Arvato has let us down. But I'm accountable for this. And it'll be interesting to see where the blame ends up. But actually, when I was there, to be fair to Arvato, they have been sent in greater numbers than ever to do this by British Gas and other companies. We'll see what happens, but I don't think the blame is in one specific area. I think the blame is spread quite widely here. Mm. Are there any measures that can be taken 
against them if they're found to have done wrong? It's a slightly complicated area in that we've spoken to the Financial Conduct Authority who have said that even though they technically don't kind of legislate in this area, that they are looking carefully at Arvato. So we don't have anything concrete, but it looks like the FCA is looking into them. Also, reputationally, off the back of this, companies will have to make decisions about whether they continue. So we'll see what happens there. It'll also be interesting to see, even though Ofgem don't regulate them directly because British Gas is responsible for the actions of its contractor, how that works going forward. And what about the government response in all of this? Because, you know, as you you mentioned, Grant Shapps had tried to do something about it before. Nothing had happened. Now this story comes out. There's a real sense of momentum behind it. How has the government taken it on? It's all been words. And I think that was part of the problem with Grant Shapps' initial action is that it was kind of presented as a government order to these companies to stop doing this. But actually, it was just a letter asking them to do it voluntarily. So lo and behold, I was there and we kept being sent out. Mm. So I think that was probably quite embarrassing for him and for the government, the fact that they were ignored and that was exposed. Since then, there have been more strong words. They've called in the boss of Centrica for a meeting. They've had a meeting with Ofgem. Grant Chaps has been quite critical of Ofgem and saying... I also think that the regulator, this is Ofgem, have had the wall pulled over their eyes, actually, because I had already uh, made clear to them uh, that they needed to be making sure that the energy providers weren't carrying out this sort of outrageous behaviour. But really, the government has as well. So that's why I think there's a lot to be said for there to be proper legal change. I don't think we can leave it to the industry to change its ways voluntarily. And then we all move on and say, oh, no, now they're being very careful when it comes to vulnerability checks. I think there has to be legal change to protect people here and to ensure it's taken out of the industry's hands. And something else to say is that part of the problem, a big part of the problem, has been the courts. And hundreds of thousands of these cases per year are going in front of magistrates on behalf of these energy companies asking for these warrants to force fit these meters. Since the investigation was published, courts have now been ordered to stop listing cases to authorise those warrants. The announcement from the senior presiding judge of England and Wales comes after the regulator Ofgem also suspended the activity. There's clearly been an assumption there that someone else is doing the checks, namely the companies themselves. But the companies themselves have not been doing the checks well enough. And Paul, it is interesting looking at how little happened when the government tried to intervene. It is one of those moments when you feel like actually investigative journalism really comes into its own because that's what's made change happen now rather than a government minister talking about a policy. For you, you know, you very movingly said at the start who had to stand there in some of these homes looking at the toys around you, you know, having to leave at times because it was quite moving. Looking back on it now, you know, how does it feel having done this investigation? It's very early stages. So the truth is I can't massively reflect yet. I'm sure I will be able to later. I think I still feel nervous about what happens properly now and that we're not all fobbed off, as can sometimes happen in these situations, that, that change actually happens. One of the most powerful things after we went to visit that young mum with the baby who was less than a month old, I went back to her as a reporter before we published and I wanted to have a conversation with her if she were willing to 
and to find out more about her circumstances. And it was heartbreaking speaking to her. And she explained how they had been paying their bills in full. They were with a different provider. That provider went bust and the account was taken over by British Gas. They were paying a bill of just over £50 a month in full and they were able to afford it. After the bill got taken over by British Gas, their bill has gone up almost seven times per month. And it's been completely impossible for them to pay. And hearing her talk about the decisions that they were making was completely heartbreaking because you can imagine making exactly the same decisions yourself. She was talking about how initially they completely restricted the heating during the day and decided they would only have it on at night. But she would do the school run and her kids would come home and their hands were freezing and they weren't warming up. And then she noticed that there started to be black mould building up above the front door and she then decided you know what I can't risk this anymore regardless of what happens I need to keep the heating on for them and that's a totally understandable decision and it's why it makes me quite upset when I hear people say things like why should we pay their bills or they're just reluctant to pay that was not a person who is reluctant to pay that's a person who's always paid her bills But the cost of living crisis and the massively rising energy prices have made it unaffordable to have a basic thing like heating on. And it's not a luxury, it's heating when you have young children. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Head of Investigations at The Times, Paul Morgan Bentley. You can read more about Paul's investigation online at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription. The producer today was Edward Drummond. The executive producer is Kate Ford. And sound design was by David Crackles. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 